Hello, you beautiful, upstanding citizens of this wonderful planet that we all inhabit together, sometimes peacefully and sometimes not so much, as we hear this week that the last male northern white rhino has died and Donald Trump warns Russia that missiles are coming. I'm Will Perry. We have our very own white northern rhino, John Wilkin, amid our basement this week and our own massive weapon in Mark Flanagan. Guess what? Salford lost again. <laughs> St. Helens won. <laughs> it's like uh, being a Groundhog Day, isn't it, with Bill Murray? And in fact, fuck Bill Murray, because we've got, this week, England Rugby Union International, James Haskell. James, firstly, hello. hello. Let, let's firstly just say congratulations, and at the same time, what an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my missus is my fiance is actually sitting here, and right. she can tolerate the lad chat from time to time mm. but at the moment she's on a bill down with it so she's giving you the most scathing evils mm. so yeah um i retired um but you know i had a good go at it uh, i completed <laughs> i completed being single and now i've decided to take things to the next level well stroke chloe for me even though we're 250 miles away um you're on, you're on the front cover of hello magazine today i saw both of you yeah, unbelievable, yeah, yeah. Um, just selling yourself to the devil, as always. Uh, weddings are not cheap things. So, um, yeah. you know, why why would you not want to, uh, to do a little bit of self-promotion? Because as you know, I'm very opposed to that, I'm very shy. And uh, we were lucky enough to, to kind of feature in Hello. And, and all jokes aside, obviously, I'm unbelievably happy that the girl of my dreams has said yes. Yeah, we'll take that bit There's out. not been a many rugby league players featured on the front of Hello, has there? Mm. <laughs> to date. <laughs> to date, yeah. I think that could be a landmark moment, uh, James. Well, if we if we can get a rugby well, league well, player. There's weekly or uh, Yorkshire Gazette. Should we just get a couple of, um, bit of bits of housekeeping out of the way? Will I be godfather to any potential child? Um, we both had a chat and we both decided we'd like Ferraris instead of kids. <laughs> oh, really? So, because they're about the same price, um, and you can always change a Ferrari. You can't change an annoying kid. Just look at your parents. Oh, well, one yeah, of them's we dead. Mention it. <laughs> one of them's dead. Thanks, <laughs> 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 nice James. I thought you knew that as well. But, uh, That's the way the show goes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, show, James. Mate. Sorry. Not that kind of show. <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. No, I, I knew that. I knew that, Mark. I just wasn't going to mention it. <laughs> we <laughs> did. Don't, don't worry, James. Something that I didn't know. We I went did. to school with Will Perry. He used to bully me, and it was always weird. Every time at shower time, he used to come in when no one else was around. It was really awkward. And what, what did he do in the showers? He said it was character building. Just dropping the soap everywhere. Um, we, in, yeah. fact, in fact, we do worry sometimes, James, don't we, that our parents, well, not even worry, we, we now get quite excited by it, that yeah. our parents are swingers together. Yes, yes. They, they go on like, Weekends away, and there's a, we, 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 we're convinced there's car keys in the middle. Yeah, that's shaggy. <laughs> Which is weird because you, you know Will's parents' car keys in the middle because there's a Robin Reliant key and a Citroen Saxo. <laughs> <laughs> he's here all night. In fact, he's not. He's only here for 10 minutes. We can only afford him. He asked his mate to pay him to come on this thing. What, um, a couple of other bits. In fact, can Chloe speak? Is she there? Yeah. Chloe, what do Richard and Judy make of James Haskell? Uh, can I swear? Yeah. yeah. I keep going to swear. First of all, fuck you. <laughs> yes, yes. That's well, congratulations. Well done, <laughs> Chloe. Thank you. <laughs> well uh, done. Second of all, my parents love him. They are, you know, they grew up in really working class backgrounds. So when they found out I was dating an England rugby player, they were thrilled. <laughs> so did Chloe just say working class, like she's from the north? There. What's all this about? I am. I'm a Mancunian, mate. She is. I know you are. That's what I asked you. And also, your dad tried to set me up with you, didn't he, a few years ago? Yes, he did. <laughs> 
<laughs> Another what? true story. What, what you could have won. You could have won. Kevin, I, I know a really good sports broadcaster at Radio 2. He's really good looking. <laughs> you should go on a date with him. Why didn't you do that? It was it Mark Chapman. <laughs> I wonder if we still was a really good one. They can't have been the apprentice. He's going to say. I wonder. We actually we've still got time to go on a date because the wedding's not until. Uh, is this public knowledge? When's the wedding? Twenty twenty. What was what yeah. all that about? We're just extending it out, aren't we? Because you know it bought me a bit of peace and quiet. I need two years of calm. But <laughs> Chloe's already planned it. It's been four days, <laughs> and I've told her she's allowed ten minutes every day to have a chat about it but any more and my head's going to fall off no no I haven't planned it let's be real I've just decided that I want to do it in the south of France so Matt to James is like planning a whole wedding Chloe you sent an, uh, uh, no, you, uh, people in World War 2 for the final invasion didn't have a strict enough plan you've got timetables charts powerpoint presentations <laughs> it's been four days of psychopath the record I don't so no one gives a, no one gives a, no one gives a shit the about the wedding by the way Where, where's the stag do When's the stag do? Um, I don't know. We haven't sorted that out yet. I, I haven't got to decide all this, but we'll, we'll get you a green card for that. But, you're, but you've got strict instructions that Chloe thinks it's very confusing for me that on a stag do, it's not a green light for me to have sex with loads of people. No, so yeah. she, she's only allowing trustworthy people. So, so far, the list is... It will is, carry your disinvited. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have sex with you. Anyway, I'm having a stag with Richard and Judy. And we're going to have Judy as well. Um, sorry, let's move on. <laughs> the weird thing is, is that Richard and Chloe said her parents love me. Judy's just been non stop. Like, if you're not going to have him, I'll have him. And she's oh, on me all the time. Mm, I love that. Lovely. Mm. This is Richard's not looking. It's flat out. Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> um, James Haskell. A serious yes. question now, after all that nonsense. What What is your perception of rugby league in this country? Um, very aggressive, tattooed men absolutely smoking into each other. <laughs> Pretty accurate, yeah. And we've been trying to condense that into one succinct sentence. I think you've, you've done that very well. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and also, um, they're all like good fighters. Like that, that's my that's my image of it. Like they've got obviously good good skill, but it's like a lot of big tattooed men very aggressively running into each other, ending each other, going, you know, all right, mate, yeah, no, great, hit, love it, yeah, you know, great, and um, and then they all turn out to be like bare knuckle boxing champions. Like you, you just, but also they're lovely guys. But you know, until I, I, I imagine you upset them. I love that little subclass. Oh, they are lovely guys. But yeah. that's a caveat yeah. to this. They that, are actually has, lovely has guys. Has that changed though? Because it, it is a great game, isn't it? I know we're like posh little public school boys who never, ever even, well, we didn't even hear a rugby league till we were whatever. So we, till we yeah. had Sky Sports. I mean, I would be, I would be scared to play rugby league because I just think they'd take one look at me and just be like, here, mate, who's that guy who's got silver spoon in his mouth and smell it on his breath and then they just want to beat the living hell out of me? Um... Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I just think it's an incredible sport. I think they're unbelievably talented. I think uh, if you just look at Rugby Union, how many uh, times we've we've taken influences and coaches and players and directions and, and patterns of play from Rugby League. You know, their ability to run lines, their ability to play, their aggressiveness of their defence has all kind of been, um, you know, something that's been integral in Rugby Union. And I think it's, it's, it's huge, really. Um, and you know, I've got, I've got the utmost respect for them, and I think uh, I'm actually a bit of a, a bit of a, of a fan when it's on. I don't watch a lot of um, a lot of rugby, but I, uh, you know, when I do, I would happily watch league. And I know a lot of the boys, like Owen Farrell, etc., really enjoy it. And, and the rugby league coaches who've come over, James, they've obviously had a big influence. We're biased, so we we probably 
take note of it more more than than you guys do. But how were they received? You know, the the movement or the, the so the brains that come from rugby league to rugby union. How were they received when they come down your way? Yeah, I mean, massively welcomed. I think, um, you know, they're respected. I think because of the physical nature of the game, I think they're respected uh, because they're individual talents. You know, I was very lucky to to work with Sean Edwards for kind of, I think, six maybe six years, maybe more. Um, obviously, a complete league legend, uh, seeing how his mind worked. Obviously, being an incredible defensive coach. Um, you know, Mike Ford as well. Um, you know, Matt Latterly, obviously, from, from kind of... Um, uh, you know, rugby league in in Australia. Um, you know, Phil Blake and and, and uh, you know Brad Davis and guys like that. It, you know, it, they're, yeah, they're incredibly welcomed, and I think their understanding of the game is is great. And it's weird because defensive coaches in union are all aggressive little. Well, most of the time, aggressive little northern men that don't look like they would have hit anyone. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's the coaches. ironic thing actually, because a lot of the guys who go over were not renowned for being great defenders, but but obviously bring some of that ag- aggression. What what's your opinion on you know maybe rugby league? We don't take coaches the other way do we so what wh- why why do you think that's the case I, I don't know i think you know i think league's such a unique game in terms of the way it's it's played you know obviously rugby you know is in the title of both but i just think the way league's played from what i've seen there just isn't that that transference the other way around i think the way that you guys run the ball is is a lot more applicable to to union because of the fact that it isn't that you know that the, with union you don't have the kind of stop-start nature of a tackle set up. You know, back ten meters and go again. With 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 kind of union guys, you know, the ability to run good lines, to run that that bob shape or the shape out the back that people do a lot of, um, and how to run hard in contact and kind of stop people on the on the gain line kind of goes that way. But I'm not sure there's much union could could really teach. Um, league because of its because of the way its 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 format is. I mean, look, you know, you've seen guys like. You know, as well, like Andy Farrell, you know, I had it, I played with him um, a couple of times with England and then was obviously coached by him and you see his success as well. There's just, there's a laundry list of people, but I'm actually not sure anyone's ever gone the other way, have they? Mm. I, I can't think they've gone it. back, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. They just went back, didn't they? No, yeah, Andy Andy Powell came over, played, <clears throat> yeah. played at Wigan for a short stint. Yeah. Um, a bit big man and, you know, I think like you said, I think guys probably, you know, went for him really. Um, but, but, I think there's a, there's a lot of transferable skills, but I think James is right. You know, it's such a tough tough trip both ways, actually. And what's the biggest challenge for our guys? You know, you've played with Sam Burgess, Andy Farrell, like you said. What's what's the biggest challenge on the training ground that you see for 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 rugby league players coming that way? What what's what do they struggle with most? Well, I, I think um, you know a lot of time, you know, Sam ultimately became you know a good friend of mine. I mean, talked to him about it. I think you know initially he he found the lack of, of touching the ball. You know, from from what I know of the league, and again, I don't, I'm, I'm very inexperienced in terms of it. It's only what I've sort of picked up over the years and kind of watched. But you know, a lot of a lot of times that you engineer it so your good carriers get the ball. If you're trying to you know exit from your kind of you've got guys off kickoff, you've got your setup kind of runners that you're using so blokes will get big touches. You've got guys who are putting in you know 40 50 tackles you know more sometimes when in, in union you know the most of tackles i've ever i've ever heard is, is someone like serge betson doing 40 and that was kind of unbelievable um so i think that that kind of difficulty also understanding that of, of the non-stop nature of of the game uh, being able to get your hands on the ball uh and obviously just some of the nuances of the rucking laws and stuff well i mean i think look if you're a good athlete you're a good athlete wherever you go it's it's a lot down to how you positionally um, help people, you know, uh, you know, sorry, a positionally where you're going to play and how that helps people. Like Jason Robinson, you know, playing fullback and wing, 
you know, he had a simple, a simple role. He was able to catch the ball and he had a unique talent in beating people. That's why he's been so incredibly successful. Um, I think other players have come in, you know, if they have to have a specialist kind of skill in, in a particular area, that's very hard to, to kind of learn, you know. But if you've got natural, uh, a unique kind of point of difference like Robinson and like a lot of these other guys have had, where, you know, where they can beat players on a sixpence, that's kind of where it's been great. But then you look at Benji Marshall from, from you know, the NRL, you know, he went to the Blues and he lasted... You know, not even a season, no. He, was, he really struggled, didn't he, Benji? But I yeah, think, I think it's, it's, it's easier for league players to go to, to the back line um, in Union. But I think when, yeah. when Sam when Sam went over, he did a bit of inside centre and a bit in the pack. And I always, I always figured watching Sam that it was harder to pick up the skill set as playing as a forward just because of the, 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 the technical nature of it. Yeah, I, I, listen, you know, to ask a bloke to come from a totally different game, to learn the line-out, to learn about pushing in the scrums, to learn the breakdown, to, to learn the fact that he's going to spend a lot of time doing kind of donkey work, clear, clearing rucks, um, you know, as opposed to, 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 to absolutely banging people. Because as well, the opportunity to line someone up, you know, you don't have that... Um, guys running upright necessarily um, you know in that kind of controlled space where you kind of know what's what's happening you don't have that kind of direct nature where people are trying to get over the game line at times and you know he I think he didn't get those opportunities and that's what he was known for um, so I, I think it's difficult but you're right when someone goes as wing or fullback when they're strictly there as man beaters and, and and everything else, then then that's when they thrive. I think to put someone in at ten, to put someone in at uh, in a forward, or put someone even in a centre is a, is a big ask. I, I want your views on this because we we had Eddie Hearn, boxing promoter, on the first podcast that we did about how <clears throat> what, what he would do to rugby league if he got a hold of it. Look what he's done to darts. Look what his dad has done to snooker. Now, you've played all over the world. You played in France, Japan, New Zealand. You've you've, you've I guess witnessed the NRL pretty much firsthand when you've been down there. How, how then do the Super League make make this league sexy? You know, how, how does it? How will it be cool one day for people to go and watch rugby league in this country? I think, to be honest with you, it's got to be down to um, you know the match day experiences in terms of um, you know the way they kind of showcase it, the, the way they promote it, but also having the players wanting to build individual um, personas. Um, and, and have and have character to the game, which is hard because you know a lot of league players I know are straight talkers. They don't, you know, they don't understand people being flashed and everything else. That it's about hard work. It's about that kind of that focus or, or what I've seen. And you very rarely have guys with you know massive social media profiles, massive kind of of characters. I think in in the NRL they try to make, make a bit more of a showcase of it. It's it, it's one of the number one sports over there. You know, union over in in in. You know, Australia in some parts is, is completely bottom of the list, way behind cricket, way behind league and, and Aussie rules. And I think um, I think if people can promote it, um, if people can, can build the character around it, if players can take it upon themselves to, to break the mould a little bit um, and go against the whole, you know, let's keep it humble, let's do that, then that interest and passion will, will build. It's easier said than done, and it all comes down to a lot of, of sponsorship and, and organisation. But I think a team... If, if te- a team can really take it upon themselves and, and do things a little bit differently, you know, even stuff like you know, when I played in Stanford, say, you know, we played in pink shirts, we did all this kind of stuff, and that ca- became synonymous. You were commercial, and actually, the pink shirts in in, in Paris were Adidas's biggest selling, sorry, second biggest selling jersey behind the All Blacks jersey, which is phenomenal because you know Stanford, say, didn't have that kind of that necessary that profile. So 
whatever the little nuance is, we live in a world of social media and profile and persona and you need characters to help promote it. You need to start doing more on social media. You need to make match day spirit experiences a bit like, you know, I won't say 2020, but you can having people mic'd up and doing that kind of stuff, whatever it might be, to really kind of raise the profile. And you've obviously, you've been around for, for, for some time. Have you seen a change then, James, in, in rugby union, you know, in, in terms of their approach to some things? I can't imagine maybe 10, 15 years ago that that the, the, the the things that you describe were commonplace. Have you you've seen that change in your career? I suppose. Oh, hugely! I've been kind of in the middle of that um, of that change. You know, actually, from the very start. You know, when I when I first came in playing for Was, you know, loads of things changed. So if you look, on, get on a team bus, nobody had headphones on. You know, I started working with a sports psychologist when I was kind of eighteen. Um, talked about using music as a tool before games. I got on a bus with headphones. Everyone looked at me as if I was completely mental listening to music in the changing room, senior players, you shouldn't be listening to that, you should be listening to what the captain's saying, you should be doing that. I used to have a little notebook making notes about key points and stuff I wanted to do in the game. Again, shouldn't be writing things down, shouldn't be doing this. Um, you know, I wanted to wear uh, white boots, but you know, nobody was wearing white boots at the time. And it was one of those things where I like, I, 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 bizarrely I got kind of a pair of silver boots that I tried for a few games and played okay and didn't get bollocks. So then I upgraded to white boots. Now everyone's got white boots on. You know, teams are kind of, um, being a lot more um, commercially minded. And I think rugby, and, and, and I can't say about rugby league, but a lot of stuff is kind of backward. If you imagine that you're paying the top players X amount, the people who work in the commercial departments, the business departments, you know, aren't going to be earning a fortune. And with that, you, you get the quality, you get what you pay for a lot of times. And I think that, you know, even rugby union is backward in some of the business approach and some of the commercialization, but they're getting a lot better. You know, you see... For example, the, the, the rugby union doing a lot more stuff on social media, behind the scenes, creating content um, for fans and people to interact, giving you know, better match day experiences. Um, and that has slowly changed. And now you're seeing players come through who have personas, who have personalities. Um, and that adds that attraction and just adds the whole experience because everyone's attention spans are you know, disappearing through their smartphones these days. You just need to be able to to give that instant satisfaction and, and promote your, your business in such a way. On that subject, life after rugby, how how different do you think attitude is between, I mean, the league and the union guys for, for life after rugby? Um, yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it's, it's very hard for me to... To comment, but I think you know a lot of league guys. Well, I know of experience have gone and gone into the coaching element. They have to have that passion for the game, um, and they kind of go back into it. I think um, again, I, I don't know. See, I don't know what the, the commercial stuff is in in, in regards to um, to league. But from what I've seen with with players and stuff, they're not necessarily actively doing bits or people are building businesses and everything else. I might be completely completely wrong, but I'm just seeing a few a few players and speaking to them. It, they've gone into coaching, and I, and, I, and I don't I don't necessarily know if there's that encouragement because, for example, in Union now, every club kind of has a as a career development officer, and every club is encouraging players to do stuff outside of rugby. And when I when I first started at Was. My dad always said to me, listen, you know, you can come back home, sit on your Xbox and waste your life away, or you can try to be productive. You can take some opportunities you're given. So I've always been business minded. Um, and that's meant that I've got a few, you know, I've got a few kind of, um, you know, irons in the fire. Uh, well, you've written but, more books than Katie Price, haven't you? It's true. It's true. I wish I'd made as much, much money as Katie Price, but I, sadly I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, I kiss less ugly men, though. So that's a bonus. Um, mm, but I think that, uh, you know, for, for me, 
we're now encouraging players to have careers outside of it. Whereas perhaps when I first started, I, w- I was massively criticised, and now that's completely changed. And hopefully, in in league, they're doing the same thing because it's a very attritional sport, whichever way you look at it. And you never know when it's going to finish. That is true because you were called Brand Haskell, weren't you? Which at first you didn't really like, but I mean, that is look how it served you. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I still don't like it because it's used in a kind of a, an annoying. Um, kind of chippy way and it was, it was actually done by a coach of mine um, who uh, was kind of trying to mug me off on a contract um, and was talking about the importance of staying at this club and then uh, and then you know went to talk about Brown Haskell he's much more interested in this kind of stuff and then latterly he got fired and I saw him afterwards and I, and I kind of said to him oh, it's, it's a bit difficult when you misplace your trust isn't it he was all about the, the club until the club fired him and that, and that kind of happened. So do we, it was do you name, should name and shame him? Do you just name and shame him? I can't. Mate, I can't. He's, he's, I can't, I can't I, I, better not to name and shame, save the autobiography. Yeah, oh, the oh, third, that's a plug. Third that's a year. plug. <laughs> it's not even out there yet. To be honest with you, when I write, it's going to be like Encyclopedia Britannica. And I'm going to have to go through with a fine tooth comb so I don't get sued because it's going to be pretty fiery, I would have thought. Bouncing back too. <laughs> yeah, Alan Partridge. Needless to say, I've it had did. The it did sound like an Alan Partridge anecdote, that one about the coach. <laughs> I've got to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I bumped into him in the I'll car be, park and said, needless to say. <laughs> I'll be wearing a head harness trying to sell it at Waterloo Station. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, obviously, you know, you've know you got the books, but you've delved in all sorts of things, haven't you? Which, you've, which I guess, even over the last sort of three years. Engaged four... now, we can't talk about that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Chloe. Just put the headphones off, you know, take them off, Chloe. Put your fingers in your ear, Chloe. La, 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 la. Hey, Chloe! <laughs> he said you've delved into lots of things, and I said, well, I'm engaged now. Those days are over. By the way, is Chloe going to still let us go to Colombia when you finished uh, playing rugby? Yes. Yes, the end, the end of the season event. Yeah, that's still happening, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, your future then. What's happening? Tell your old pal here. There's only about four people listening. What are you doing? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know at the moment. I'm still trying to work <laughs> out. Bullshit. No, so. I'm not. Well, I, you know me. If I could give you the exclusive to get, you know, maybe six listeners for this body <laughs> podcast, I would 100% do it. But um, I don't know at the moment. My plan is to stay in the UK to try to be involved with England. Look, you know, at the end of the day, you've got, so many choice over selection you know I'm, I might have played my last game you never know I, I don't want to and I, I don't think I should have done but that's not my decision um, and then you've got to kind of if you're going to go abroad you've got to understand what's you know what that means but I mean for me off the field stuff you know I, I kind of got those books I've got you know I do a bit like DJing at the moment which I'm loving I do a lot of speaking stuff which is like motivational let, talk. let's let the DJ I love the DJ because I've still wanted to come stand next to you in the box at Ministry of Sound but you, you're pay, playing out to like packed houses at the Ministry of Sound that is that's amazing yeah I just it's one of those things where I, I always use music as a tool and I've always enjoyed you know enjoyed it and I kind of you know went to Vegas a few times maybe 12 and um, <laughs> kind of fell in love with the music and Ibiza a couple of times and I just I, I learned to do it and, and it was brilliant and people started asking me to, to kind of to start doing gigs and stuff. And I, I loved it. I, I did one in Clap, uh, um, Clap and Ground the other day. And I feel sorry for Chloe because she's the, my ultimate kind of partner in crime, you know, comes with me everywhere, supports me, unbelievably. But she hates house music. She, she only loves 90s hip hop. So um, oh, I can't DJ oh, that. Oh, yeah. uh, she just went up in my estimation. She's, uh, <laughs> gangster. Yeah. Well, yeah she, she is a full gangster. She knows I all like the words. Because you, you, obviously you've done, and I was listening to it this morning, actually, while I was um, semi-naked doing some pull-ups in my, my door frame, listening to your Defected album, which came out this year. Yeah, so yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I was lucky enough I to... 
to, to, to kind of work with a guy called um, Simon Dunmore, who's a who's a you know a kind of a famous DJ in his own right and uh, owns the record label Defected. And he kind of helped um, teach me to do different pieces. And we were talking about wanting to, you know, I create the fitness books for training, but music was always a bit dodgy. And sometimes you walk into gyms and it's terrible. And I, and I wanted to do a collaboration with them, where I created kind of James Haskell's Back Row Beats, which was you know two unique hour long mixes which I'd done, and then all their latest tracks, which you can stream on Spotify or Apple Music or you can purchase or whatever um and it's been really successful you know i, I really enjoy doing it i think it's um people just loving the tunes and everything else and listen you know house is an acquired taste but i think it's it's featuring a lot more in kind of the the normal everyday charts these days and people are kind of wanting to um to listen to it a bit more so it was just a fun kind of experiment so there's little bits and pieces like that i'm a bit of a workaholic if i'm completely honest with you which is you know good at some times but detrimental at others because you've just got to learn to rest you you know you know being a, as a sportsman you kind of got to take the time to recover well you say you've got so much going on which is probably why you've gone so horrifically bald as well what when are you going to do something about that because i've been going on at you for probably more than i have mark flanagan who last time you saw him and you haven't seen him for a good few years. Beautiful guy, probably a, probably an eight and a half out of ten. Beautiful hair, beautiful hair, beautiful guy. It's you'd be. I'll send you a picture later. It's gone, <clears> slipped, <throat> completely gone, slipped. Has it? I mean, well, like, I think what we could do, chaps. I'm thinking about instead of getting the hair implants, I'm just going to get Deso and an astroturf mm. instead of that. It's a lot cheaper, a lot less maintenance. You just rub a crumb at the top of your head, and then and then it's it's all weather. Well, <laughs> because I mean, you've probably gone from a you know, 7.5 down to a, to a six or something. Are you going to get something done before the wedding? Are you just uh, going to leave no, it now? Listen, my hair is, is, is lustrous and feathered and layered like it's never been before. Um, I'm very comfortable with it. Um, you know, I, I would more concern yourself with your psychological imbalances as you're known as Patrick Bateman. And we don't want to go into too much details. That but your blood pressure alone is going to send you <laughs> to an early grave as opposed to your lid falling out. And it, it slipped off the back a little bit, as you know, because you started brushing it from behind your ear. <laughs> Mate, mine's, mine is stitched in fully. So I've got to just get, have you got any advice for Mark? Because I know he's been, he's, he's not said a word. Um, well, I'm night, fine with it. Well, no, no, I think but, you're more bothered about it than I am. But, but James, just give him you know, a bit of a confidence. But no, any advice? Come on, you've been going, confidence. Yeah, you've been going well, balls a lot longer first, than he has. First of all, what you got to remember: hair or no hair, you're still a very good-looking man, right? Correct. All Perry has is his hair, because the rest of it looks like a, a you know a fire damaged porter cabin. On, <laughs> on that, James, how, what 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 was Will Perry? A young put us in young Will Perry's shoes. Uh, was he uh, prolific with the women back then, or or is his, his barren period, which he's experienced for the last sort of ten years, is that is that something that we should have seen coming? I, I honestly, I mean, I've actually never seen him with a girl. No, Ooh. that's that's the weird thing because what, what is there's a lot of rhetoric, a lot of like insinuation, mm. a lot of like showing me pictures that looked like they were they were photographed out of Nuts or Zoo magazine, which anyone could do, and and there was no actual any substance. And then I think he had one girl and she broke his heart once and he's never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know oh, the girl. Oh, what was her name? I know the girl. I know the girl. And that's why, that's why he's constantly <laughs> That's why he wakes up, puts in caffeine, goes to the gym, listens to aggressive music, works out just to outchase those demons of the woman he missed out on. And that's why he is like he is and talks it up. But I don't think he's ever been with a bird. <laughs> he's not. All right. Good. Well done for keeping quiet there, Clay. Um, before before we do before before we do let you go, James. Um, yes. So, have you been inundated with offers or not? About where you're going to go next? Well, you're not going to let it go. Are no, you? I just want to know. No. 
No, no, no. I've had about as many offers as you had to upgrade your presenting career, which, you know, <laughs> Bog the Regis Radio or the occasional bit where they let you speak with a guy on radio one's gone for a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Cipriani going? Straight to hell, like the rest of us. <laughs> 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 Very good. Sippy with Sippinson, I've got no idea where he's going. Okay, all right. We'll get him on next week and ask him. Um, these are a couple of questions from listeners who have been tweeting in this afternoon. Uh, no particular order. Howard Mayers says, have you any personal sporting challenges in mind for when you retire? For instance, to compete an Ironman. All of you quickly. James? Um, no. <laughs> no. No, not. I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I tell you what I'm, I, I want to do is I, I'd love to get a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Oh. Uh, I'd like to take up boxing and stay in, in sort of get myself in, in in mental shape. There is no way I'm running a marathon, doing an Ironman, or losing a load of weight and becoming someone. Uh, every time I see rugby players who take these Ironmen up, oh. I keep wanting to set up just giving pages for them. I keep sending them condolences, and they tell me they know they're just doing Ironmen. They look terrible. <laughs> not happening. John, you've already done a marathon and all that nonsense, <laughs> but um, you're not going to become like what, like Rio Ferdinand taking up boxing? That's just cringing. We can't, I can't let you do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the amount of cash Rio Ferdinand's got, he can do what he likes. He'll buy and sell you well within five minutes. Uh, Mike Clegg says, "What's the best sledge you've had or given during a game?" Um, I don't, I don't think I've had any amazing chat really in games. Um, on, I don't not, believe that not, for a minute. Yeah, nothing really. I, I, I like to say it was something really interesting. Um, there was, the, what, there was one when I was playing cricket actually at school, when uh, I was playing against Radley, and um, obviously this is some severely posh boy chat. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was coming out to bat, I think, for the fourths, <laughs> and some bloke went, "Oh mate, what's it like going to a second-rate dump?" And I turned and looked at him and said, I don't know, I've only been here five minutes. Um, and I thought that was pretty devastating considering we were playing away at Radley. What about someone saying, what about the, the, the story with Danny Kerr in the water? Oh, well, he sprayed it in my face. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, so so I was playing I was playing against um, Harlequins. I came off the bench. It was my first game back. But to say I was raging was, you know, obviously when you don't play for a while, you know that kind of rage builds up. I mean, something you, well, you've never played, and that rage and that voice that's in your head the whole time making you make terrible decisions is um, something that you develop when you've sort of not been playing. And uh, I came on the field and I, I, I went to break and Joe Marler kept pulling my scrum cap and he pulled it off and was kind of choking me a little bit. So I, uh, I obviously, you know, got him off me and I sort of threw him and did a kind of a bit of an MMA throw, got him inside control and um, thought that was it. The referee went to yellow cards and as we were walking off, he, um, sprayed me in the face with water so I got him in a Vulcan death grip um, and uh, as I was walking off further I wasn't getting yellow carded um, Danny Care then threw water in my face but to be fair I love Danny and it would be like hitting a child or a small midget so I decided I didn't want to do anything for that <laughs> I could actually see you as a, having a career as in, in like WWF in the States yeah 100% the, the rock's my idol mm. I would action movies and WWE I'd be all over it Okay, uh, this one, last one, and then we'll let you go. No helmets required. Actually, no, no, sorry, not that one. This one from Sean Hind, who says, who says, which current or past teammate has the hottest mum? Jack Knoll. Ooh. Go on, describe oh, it. it hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it, is it Jack Knoll, Henry Slade? Maybe it's, both of them have got fit mums, but I, 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 wish, I can't remember which one it is, but I think it's, yeah, I think, I think, it's Jack Noll and Henry Slade. I think both of them are pretty unbelievable. <laughs> but do you know who mine is? Who's? Susie. Oh, Susie H. Susie Mate, H. 
when she gets a Gucci jumpsuit on, she looks a million dollars. And those leather trousers, I love them. Oh, love them. Oh, we should see when she wears the arseless ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the, the neighbours, they go mad. Oh, mate, thanks so much for coming on. Um, no send me a copy of your signed book. What else can you do for me? When are we going to see each other? Soon, hopefully. Yeah, well, uh, you, how many times have I invited you to come and stay and you just refuse to come no, and do it? And it's, you make out it's because you're busy, but I never see you on anything. Like, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have, like, XFM or, like, random Channel 75 on Sky, but, but I'm sure you're doing some work. I'm too busy in this basement making magic, but um, <laughs> really appreciate you coming on. We'll speak to you soon. Say goodbye, boys. Cheers, James. Cheers, Thank you, James. mate. Um, Thanks, Paul. Chloe, are you there as well? Thanks, Chloe. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you later. Cheers. <laughs> okay, we want to talk this week about league structures and why does rugby league in this country constantly look at changing it, John Wilkin? Yeah, well, look, it's look the, the structure of our competition is, is is always something that's a discussion to be changed. Right now, you know, the structure is what it is. There's, there's talk of it changing, if not next year, the year after. Um, it's something that we always seek to, to, to you know, to, to tamper with, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, I think if whether the game's struggling or it's perceived to be struggling, um, I think it's the first cab off the rank in terms of what should we change? We'll change the structure. Hopefully, things will improve. And I don't, I thought, I think for the last twenty years, much has improved commercially on the field. On the field, become better athletes, but I don't think the crowds have improved. Um, and I just think it's constantly changing it is 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 not really doing much i think it's confusing right i i i agree sometimes innovation is needed when it comes to to, to sport and i think rugby league has got innovation in its dna we, we're always trying to innovate you know video technology and you know certain things that we've we've really brought onto the sporting stage have genuinely made a difference but when it comes to structural changes i think all it does do is, is confuse people and confuse casual fans as much as our own fans um, whether it's sort of a convoluted playoff scheme that needs explaining 20 times whether it's you know breaking it into two leagues whether it's a franchise system whether it's just promotion and relegation uh, look I think we need to be strong enough to just stick with a structure and, and, and persist with it for an extended period of time it's like three to five years it changes so they're not giving it a good go I don't think it's it's kind of they half-arsed have a go at it for three or five years and then they realise that things aren't improving and then the first thing to do again is change the structure. Whereas I think, we need to, like James said, like Eddie Hearn said when we first spoke to him, I think marketing the game better, um, taking on social media, the new ways in which sport and celebrity is, is shared and, and grown and, and, and players and athletes are followed. I think is more of a, uh, should be more of a priority than changing the league structure again for the fifth time or whatever but is that is that change of structure and and the fact that it's happened so much over the last 10 years down to the change of, of leadership I mean who who is and this is a, I don't know the answer to this who, who is running this the ship then at the moment the clubs run the, run the game uh, yeah I, I agree with Mark I think the clubs have a big say in, in what's happening um, the, the governing body obviously I think there's some big decisions to be made there in terms of leadership but what we need is a clear vision for the sport and a clear direction and we need a structure that we put everything behind and say this is our structure because ultimately Mark made a really great point before is that we seem to go to change the structure and, and tamper with the structure when we think that the game needs stimulating and growth needs to come or we need to like you know uh, 
I suppose, re-engineer ourselves. But for me, the the, the structure of the competition and, and rejigging the structure is, is not a way to do that. There's actually, I think... Um, a, a problem really that, that that we think that the structure is is the issue uh, if we look at some of sorry. Okay. if we look at some of the issues in um you know in the game um look the structure uh, look i just don't believe that the structure is, is one of the bigger issues in the game i think um sorry yeah, it's my sorry, listeners. John's sorry. Now we playing his little mic, run up his ass. We've got it back. He's pulled it out. Pulled it out. What, what, wow, <laughs> that was that, weird. We went straight in. That microphone up a man's bottom. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you were saying, sir. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Great yeah, hustle. Look, the the, <laughs> the stru- look, the structure of the competition, like. I think some of the best competitions in the world, like the structure's just clear, isn't it? Tennis is, you know, whoever wins the sets at the end wins. You know, Premiership football who finishes top of the league wins. Uh, I think it can be too clever with with devising uh, amazing playoff systems and 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 uh, working with league structures. And all it is doing is masking or trying to stimulate some commercial um, revenue for the sport. And I think underpinning everything is the the issue of commercial revenue coming into the game. That it's it's not enough. So we are looking for ways in which we can drive that. And look, there's there's one massive thing in rugby league that that, or in fact, in all sports is is happening. And it's something called competitive balancing of of sports. So it's an economic principle. Basically, competitive balance is where if one company or person or club monopolizes an industry, it then becomes less attractive for people to get involved, less attractive for viewers, for fans, for customers, for for, for the business in general. So competitive balancing is a way of seeking an even competition, uh, especially in sports, to stimulate interest. And what Rugby League's done for, for, for I think, since Wigan dominated in the 90s, is seek ways in which to suppress the top of the competition, as in make the top of the competition worse, and also restrict how many teams can fall right to the bottom of the competition. And that competitive balancing, I actually think has been really destructive for Rugby League. I don't think it's worked. And, and, what, and what, why did this happen in the first place then? To save things like Bradford not happening again? Well, I, th- I think part of the, the reason for doing it was to, to stop clubs from overspending. Um, so stop the the smaller teams from um, spending more money than they can bring in, and then putting putting um, the future of the club in jeopardy. Now we've probably seen these last ten years that look like of Bradford, um, our club at Salford have had lots of money problems. Wakefield, Cass, four, four or five years ago, we think were struggling financially. So I don't think that's worked. I think clubs have still probably spent beyond their means uh, and put themselves at jeopardy. But I think what they've what they've done is 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 lower the standard of the top clubs but those top clubs are still the same clubs that dominated in the 90s it's, it's still how many teams have, have won the Super League there's well now Bradford have gone there's just only three teams have ever won the Super League mm. now now in the 80s and 90s you probably would have had the same if, if maybe more dominant teams without a salary cap so it, the, the argument probably suggests that it hasn't worked to, to the extent that it wanted and I, I don't actually think the salary cap has increased 
uh, at the same rate of inflation and in terms of wages in this country. So lads are earning less compared to what they should have done 15, 20 years ago. So you bring a salary cap in, right? Okay, I understand. It's the late 80s, early 90s. You're scratching your head. We're going to dominate and everything. People are getting disenfranchised with the game. Why? Because one team's so dominant. And so the solution is, well, suppress Wigan's ability to be able to win rugby matches. And how? By evening out the, the pay structure of the game. And also, a, a, an unintended consequence of that is it stops clubs going bust. I believe the first and primary reason for the salary cap coming into rugby league and in any sport is a distribution of talent. Now, competitive balancing is that it has been used as a technique to, to, to balance out the competition. The NRL used a draft. That's a means of distributing talent uh, amongst their teams. So would that work? Would that be NFL? The N- NFL, NFL, sorry. Yeah. The NFL used the draft. Yeah. Uh, that that's that is competitive balancing in action, right? Um, racehorses get weighted. Competitive balancing. It's like there's an obsession in sport, and it's a money decision. It's nothing to do with sport. It's nothing to do with the purity of competition. It's a money decision to make everybody equal. Why? Because when things are equal, people are more engaged, more interested, and therefore. The commercial pot grows within the game. Now, that's like some highbrow sort of principle, economic principle, but I believe it's been applied to rugby league and it's failed. But this, the same salary cap is used in the NRL, which has gone up astronomically in the last few years. But if you look at the number of teams that have won the competition over the last 20 years, there's probably t- uh, 10, 11 different teams that have won it. And I think it works over there because all the 16 clubs in the NRL are of a similar size. They all probably get in excess of ten thousand fans. They probably all can um, can can gain revenue from the commercial point of view. They've all they're all well structured clubs with big talent bases uh, and play development, and which which goes through to the top. And then when they do have too many good players that they can't afford to play, uh, pay and play, then they go off to play for other teams, and and the talent is. Is, it naturally is, distributes yes. itself. And that, that's right. One thing that I think the NRL, and we can't compare the NRL and Super League to some extent, because the NRL has such a huge talent pool that, that the players naturally have to disperse and arrange themselves and go to other clubs. So it does get evenly distributed and there are great young players move from club to club. In Super League, what is the incentive to leave a top club? To Nothing. leave a top club? Why would you leave Saints, so, Wigan or Leeds? For example, your man. But what, Mr. Barber? Why would no? But right, him aside, as a young player or as a player, why would you leave Wigan Saints or Leeds to go to the NRL? Money to go to the NRL or to go to rugby union? Now you wouldn't leave them to go to another rugby league, another rugby league club, a lower yeah. rugby league club potentially. Look, what what I'm trying to say is that we have engineered this situation to stop the best clubs retaining all the talent, mm. but. The salary cap in itself means that by moving, you have no means of bettering yourself. You can't financially better yourself by moving because other clubs are restricted by a low salary cap that much. They can't break the bank. So, so you need a bit of salary cap today? I would say an idea, and this is, look, there's arguments against it, but I would say scrap the salary cap and let us see where rugby league can go. I'd also say if I was an investor looking to come into the game, how, why would you come into a game where you can have very little influence and make your team successful? Like Sheikh Mansour, you know, at Man yeah. City, like whatever you say about Man City and about football, he's brought that money and put it into football. Yeah, He's invested into football. Now, he, Man City may well have elevated the standards, and, and but what they've done is they're forcing United to get better. 
Liverpool to get better. Yeah. And do you know what makes it really interesting is when great teams like that get beat. So we're obsessed with this evenness in sport, this competitive balancing that's this underpinning economic principle that is used in rugby league like to the nth degree. And what's the purpose? To make things even and interesting and everybody will become more engaged and the money grows. Well, I'm telling you now, rugby league's not a sport that can afford to do that. Do you think that's well, something that's well, been talked about doing, though? Do you reckon they are I, thinking I, about that issue? I'm not sure, but we, we've discussed about having more superstars in our game and having more players that kids want to buy the shirts for, want to grow up and aspire to be like. Now, if we use an example of Leeds Rhinos. And for the for the past 10 years, I think they were one of the only clubs to make a profit in the Super League consistently in good money. So they could probably push the balance, they push the boundaries on what they pay players and maybe have another million, another two million worth of talent in, in their squad. So you're telling me if they couldn't bring a Sam Burgess back or a Billy Slater, would that not bring more commercial revenue to this to the Leeds Rhinos and to the Super League as a, as a whole and then, then grow the game a, a, as a consequence of that? Yeah, because what we what we were petrified of is Wigan dominating for so long that somebody else would do that. Well, Leeds won the grand final five years on a spin. Like what? Do you know what I mean? What? Or they won it for X amount of years on the spin. They dominated things, and we've got a salary cap. So why would Leeds' players, the great players, mm. leave Leeds? But wouldn't those they can't teams, go and earn any more money? Bigger teams get bigger without a salary cap. And wouldn't there be yes, more of a goal? Exactly. Exactly. But then that is what is beautiful about sport underdogs and champions and the difference between yeah and there's, and there's, there's still fans who go and watch the lower teams in, in the premiership and even the championship even though you've got Man City and United and Chelsea spending all this money there's, well, there's nothing better than watching 100 to 1 win a horse race no, I get that but wouldn't the Isn't underdogs there? the underdogs would become bigger underdogs and the bigger dogs would become bigger dogs no but the but, but what, what, what the alternative is is you Put a massive weight on the top of the competition and say you can't go anywhere. Yeah, you cannot go anywhere. But is the idea? And I'm we're waiting. But that massive but we're weight. We're waiting now yeah. for the bottom to catch the to top. Catch up. So we're waiting for the tail to catch the head. And that's not happening. Not, uh, no, and I just think so. everybody stood still. Well, why not let see where the top can go? It's just an idea. Look, and I respect everybody who puts money into mm. the game. Look, we've got fantastic owners at St. Helens. And I, I think loads of people invest loads of hard money and they hard-earned cash and they know what they're talking about. Yeah. But for me, when I look at other sports, it makes sense. So in the NFL, this makes sense. So, so Competitive balancing, Will, yeah. in the NFL makes sense. Yeah. Because but look at the NFL as a product. They've got it's this fantastic. collegiate system and they can distribute talent. They can then, well, we don't want the best side to get the best picks, so we'll give the worst side can get the best picks and yeah. then it evens things out. Works, doesn't it? Yeah. But they've already got a market. They're already a huge commercial market. The draft system is sort of, it enhances what they do. The NRL. Right, they've got enough players that they can distribute talent and it moves around naturally. All we've done in this country with the salary cap is said, if you want to earn good money, go to the NRL mm. or Rugby Union, that's it. And so we've actually reduced the quality of our competition. So we've got fewer great players in our competition. Yeah. And then also what we've done is restricted not those just the top players, but that next tier of players who came over. Some great Australian players I've played with who, who now lo no longer want to come and play in our competition, no longer want to, uh, are stars and, and want to come over here. And Because and, of the financial benefits. Yeah, because... Being there. Yeah, exactly. And So I think we've just handcuffed ourselves. I think it's been... And is that slowly killing the game in your eyes? No, it's not a thing it's killing the game, but look... I, it's inhibiting. We're here to talk it's about... It's inhibited its growth, I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're here to talk about some ways to change things and whatnot. 
And and for me, com- I don't know, I keep saying that word, competitive balance. You read an article on competitive balance. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. It's, I, it's okay, we all I've, read. I've read, it, I've read one article. Was it Forbes? This, it was in Forbes. Was it? I, I read one you article. told me all it about, about it. It was about the NFL. Yeah. And when I read it, I was like, well, rugby league has become obsessed with this concept. And I remember reading an article KPMG had done an analysis on rugby league. Yeah. And it basically was this rehashed. It was basically, you need every game to be competitive, there needs to be jeopardy in fixtures. Yeah. There needs to be a genuine uncertainty which, when people which go rugby to games. League has. Super League has. But for what benefit? No, but so it, we, no, so no, we. But, but you have to like the touch paper at both ends and, to have a great product, don't you? Like the NFL, you have to have everything that you've just said there, and then you also have to have the first thing you but said. I, I think was you the, can, the, the financial impetus. Yeah, I, I agree, but I think you can have. What What I'm saying is that I think we don't know where the game could go, and we've never let it gallop on, and. Two, a couple of reasons one is because financially we weren't sure if the game could cope we didn't want monopolising of the competition and certain clubs becoming outrageously strong again so what we did is well let's just put the brake on control things make things show that everybody's safe and comfortable yeah. but in a room right in a, in that situation people do become comfortable what's the incentive now to drive on Clubs can't drive so on. Because incent- you said at the beginning that it's the owners who have the, the final say. So it's not a Brian Barwick or a Roger Draper. No, or it's, a, it's or the owners of the Wood. Super League. But I, I think that there could be an argument where the, the top six or seven clubs might want to take the shackles off and, and, and spend more money. But then the bottom six clubs might think, well, you know, with, with the salary cap as it is, we're still half a chance of getting the playoffs and one day maybe competing financially and on, on the field with, with the bigger clubs. So they'll be happier... The smaller clubs will be happy with the salary cap because it, it like John says, it keeps the, the the top runners, the big clubs, from getting too far away. And, from and look, the bottom clubs are are improving. Like I think the talent in their squads has got better. They've invested more money on the field, and it's showing. But we're waiting for that bottom tier to catch the top, and that I don't know. Like if that was business, Flash, hmm. like it, w- w- would you, you know, for example, say to Apple, right? Hang on a minute, you 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 know, you cannot Apple are dominating the phone market. So all your best techies have got to leave Apple now, and you've got to go somewhere else. So we're not going to pay. Well, there, there is restrictions on monopolizing a the market. There, isn't there? there is, but but what I'm saying is it's it's against sort of like this the drive and and the spirit of getting things done. I think. So so you know the owners well. I mean, you must have had conversations with. Is it talked about ever with Kukash or McManus? Well, Kukash ever... is gone. So no, I know, but I when he was there. So. Um, well, because to me, he seems like the kind of guy um, who'd been all for. I, I think it's it was a bit of a contradiction our club because um, we spent a lot of money on players on the field, but didn't back it up with um, the infrastructure around the club and into and how to market it. I think it was assumed that that Salford would spend a lot of money on the field with the likes of Rangi Chase, Gareth Hawk, Kevin Locke, spend a shitload of money, and then success, fans, um, revenue, revenue streams would, would come on the back of it. But it wasn't the case. Um, the team didn't live up to the expectations of the individuals and, and of the collective. We were, they were quite poor. Um, and then off the field, there wasn't like the, the marketing and, and, and the commercial department wasn't invested in. There was no uh, pathway for kids from Salford to to be become part of the club and and be fast tracked to play for this for the club in the future. Like, we've not got a reserve team. We've got not got an, an under 19s team. So it was a bit of a contradiction to put all the money in the top end and then not invest it. I think it's got to be. It's got to be done, done um, holistically. Yeah, but if the but if it, if the owners have the final say, 
as you guys have said, or they're running the clubs, is what you, is the way you phrased it earlier. What what is the general consensus amongst the owners? It must know. be it must be unanimous. No? The, I don't know. This is look. This is just our, our we're talking. We're just waffling potentially. Yeah, exactly. Do the players care about it? Do, do, do you, I mean, you obviously care because you you know you're the the other end of the scale when it comes to no, where care. your career's at. But do, do no. the players in general care about this? I don't know. I just think you've got to think sometimes. Think differently. I think. The salary cap served its purpose. It stopped, what, five or six clubs going bust, maybe. But it failed because it didn't redistribute the talent. It didn't. So it failed. I don't think it's worked. I think it's I've, failed. In yeah. this country, it's failed. It's worked in the NRL, but it's different conditions. It's completely different. Look, I, I just think, why not let's just even start modelling what it might look like if we took this, the, the lid off it. Ben Barber, example. Come to... Right, has anybody... Every week, not talked about Ben Barber. Mm-hmm. Right. He, oh, we talked about him leaving kids, at the end of the season. Kids screaming, running up for, for an autograph. I've never seen that Yeah, at St. Helens. Since when? Or, you know, in rugby league Jamie since Lyon. when? Yeah, even, yeah, maybe Jamie Lyon. You know, Sam Tompkins, maybe. Yeah. So That's probably it. But, but what we're saying is he's lit the competition up. Now, the value of what he's added, the marquee player allowance is a way of getting these star players in. Mm-hmm. So I think the game's compromises, well... We'll let two or three players, or two players per club, get paid really well, and hopefully that'll bring the jewels into the crown and blah blah blah. But I just think if you took the lid off it, who'd then start think about throwing the money into the game? One because they can have a real impact. A bit, you know, I've got a billion quid. I could throw ten million at this straight away yeah. and make a difference immediately. So that would bring. You know, there's a potential to bring more money in. Whether that's good or bad, I'm not. I'm not. But how, how, how many Ben Barbers are there in the league, or in that category? There's it's probably just one Ben Barbers. Well, you Barber. call him Brent Barbers. Yeah, so you don't really know who he is. But, but um, watch. Have you ever watched the documentary Code Code Breakers about the Welsh rugby union? Oh, it's brilliant. Players, yeah. One eye player who, who basically rugby league went out of its way to to pilfer Welsh rugby union players at a stage when rugby league was hugely profitable. There was loads of cash knocking around. And you know what they did? They went to Wales and they signed the best Welsh rugby union players. Yeah. And they made stars. They Jonathan were stars. Davis. They were absolute stars of our game and still renowned. Now, Billy Boston. Yeah. Like, massive names. And we did that because we had the buying power to go and get those players. Mm. Now, we look at rugby union, they've got the buying power to come and get our players, and we get all... Twitchy and 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 sort of partisan and like oh, you know what you're doing stealing our players. The NRL come over; they've got buying power now to take our players. Yeah. What's to say that some of the clubs couldn't afford to keep those lads, but we let them go? But the, the, these, and I, I, we are just talking in a basement. But these seem very important conversations, which from the outside, very much on the outside, from my point of view, don't really seem to be evolving or, or or even more worryingly happening well i think everyone's got a different take on it so i think at club level you've got to look at each club individually and i, I suppose each club's take on it will be different some clubs will be happy with the way things are because it suits them other clubs will be willing to change things because it doesn't suit them essentially all clubs will protect their own self-interest and there's certain clubs that seem to have an overriding passion for the game and will try and improve the game but I don't think it, I think it should be open for discussion for the salary cap to be scrapped and competitive balancing in rugby league to be scrapped until which point we understand where the game can get to or it's a failed exercise and we come back to be capped. Okay, well let's bring in a, in a semi-concrete report that was a knocking about last year from from uh, 
in terms of restructuring proposals. It was put forward, wasn't it, by an independent report, highly experienced and, and world-renowned sports administrator, commissioned last year by the then RFL, Chief Commercial Officer Roger Draper, who we mentioned earlier. And, and this unpublished report suggested um, that there would be a top flight of 10 biggest and best-run clubs, yeah, and then a 16-team second tier compromising, uh, comprising of, what was that, six strong standalone clubs and 10 feeder clubs. I don't think that would work. I don't think... I think t- clubs play each other too many times as it is, so dropping the, the, the top league from 12 to 10 it would be too repetitive for players, speckies, clubs, um, and I think I think the feeder system I don't think has worked either. Um, they tried using using the, um, the example of the NRL where each NRL team has uh, a feeder team where um, they can kind of loan out... Uh, but week by week players that couldn't get in their team but I don't think it's worked over here because we're completely different uh, competition and different history and culture in terms of rugby league and uh, for instance a player from Salford who can't get in the team has to go and play for Oldham or Whiteheaven or whoever and they've got their own identity they've got their own players they've got their own coaches and they've got no desire to be in the top flight not um, a lot of them yeah some some, don't, some yeah, yeah. But Batley, they, they, Dewsbury, Rochdale do they want to be in the Super League I think they have dreams. I don't think it's. I don't think. I, I can't see many of those kind of Championship League One teams having but again, the resources to do it. Again, without like all due respect, that you know, I think look at Premiership football. Like the, the top clubs lead the way and yeah. drive forward, and there's always this. Let's you know look after grassroots, invest, and, and there's maybe a question mark that that doesn't happen. But in rugby league, we're, we're the other way around. Because of our nature, it's actually almost a, a sociology experiment, rugby league, because we're all about, and James Haskell mentions in in his interview, we're all about protecting, keeping everyone in check, we're working class, nobody steps out of line, we all do our thing, we protect those underneath us, we don't really drive too far ahead, everybody keep together. And I think that sort of mentality is something that holds the sport back. Mm. Let, let, let the top, team shoot for the stars and see what happens have you have you always felt like that while you've been no, playing no, no. it's just something honestly just something that's recently evolved in my mind I, you know I I support the decision on the salary cap I support the people who've put the money into the game have a much more of a right to have an opinion on that and make decisions on that than I do as a player my job's just to play all I'm trying to do is open up discussion about a, something that might help might change it might not it might might fail it might be a catastrophic failure but it's something to well, be the, the league structure's not changing things is it no it's not no exactly so, sorry so, yeah. so exactly, that's, that's yeah. what we're saying is this league structure that we keep changing every three to five years isn't isn't changing anything in terms of building the sport and, and putting, putting it in front of bigger audiences a change in the salary cap might do that mm. and putting more stars on the field so as players you two which this is quite worrying that Neither of you two, as former captains, you know, but I'm, no, I'm a quarter of right, a captain. In, in all seriousness, people who, still, you know, in very captain, influential just... players at your club, neither of you really know what the structure is going to be next season, and that's, which is only a few months away. Which that's is... worrying. I think that's worrying, especially for, for Solford, given, given that we're in, in in the bottom four at the minute and there's a chance we might be, if, we don't, if things don't improve, we might be in the middle eights and that could be another million pound game, which could be relegation. So um, I think. Starting a season where you don't know what the repercussions could potentially be for the next season is is a bad sign, really. I think it's I think it's 
a reflection on the governance of the game and, and how short-sighted we are in terms of the structure of it. What was that million... You know, you played in that million-pound game and I, I watched that game and I couldn't even get... I could not get my head around it. Which brings us on... Yeah, promotion and relegation you know, as, yeah, as a subject so pro is... Promotion and relegation, It's Will, fascinating. It's in our DNA, isn't it? You know, it's, in sport. Uh, on the outside, again, fans love it, absolutely love it, because it is, it's meaningful, isn't it? It means everything. But then you look at the, at the, it was, uh, it the was NFL. Awful. It was the, awful. The million pound game was awful that week. Mm. We, we were so nervous. We had so much riding on it. And, and when we won, it was, it was probably the most nail biting sporting occasion. I've, apart from being a part of, I've ever watched the fact that we scored two tries in the last minute and 50 seconds and, Kicked O'Brien saved the day. A world of a drop goal, yeah. Uh, and after winning, winning, I, it was just such a sense of relief. And then uh, empathy towards the whole KR players. I felt so sorry for them. Um, they were devastated. I could see the families were the, were the same. Um, and obviously, promotion and relegation uh, works in a lot of sports, and, and it's prevalent in in sports in sports in this in this country. But to do it uh, like that. Um, with so because we're so much riding it because we probably there's a good chance our our club would have gone under and uh, at the minute uh, we're not protected in terms of our contract so if we are get if we do get relegated um, the club can rip up our contract because we technically only signed a super league contract is that the same for everyone sort of down there yeah 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 so you don't you wouldn't have that at, at a set house no no it's, it's, a, it's a standard super league it? yeah yeah. So it says Super League contract. So if they change the structure, it's no longer Super League. Yeah. And they do what they want. The, the, G, the GMB are actually appealing this decision um, at the minute. And uh, a lot of players have signed up to the GMB union as part of a rugby league union. And um, they're appealing this and they're, they're pretty confident they can get it overturned. So if a team was to get relegated this season, the club couldn't terminate the contract. But there's no there's no, re there's no reason that to say that they could, the club could survive having... Um, having having been relegated, but then but then if you go down and you've got one of those contracts, then surely it works the other way. That all the players can go all right. See you later, and you have to completely rebuild again with no players. Yeah, but it's from a, but there's not a marketplace for players in October, November. You yeah. get relegated in October. Let's say, for example, you've not a chance to go to market to get another club. Recruitment's already been done, is it? Recruitment's yeah. already been done. The sports salary cap, teams can't just on a whim buy a player. Yeah, yeah. so. Teams are already up to the cap or spending close to the cap, so they have to stay at that club and, and come back. There's so, twenty well, players looking for a, a new contract. You get released. It's just it's an unfair situation. I think promotion and relegations in our DNA in English sports. I, I think we like it. The people embrace it. Well, those feelings Mark's just described. You know, yeah, that was as a player. Imagine but, what it's like as but, a fan as well. But promotion and relegation doesn't have to be confined to a million pound game. No. Or to uh, the structure. of of, actually, I don't think the structure in the championship is as bad. Where they've got a um, a version of the grand final, but I, I think having relegation in that format is yeah is isn't is unnecessary. So would you make it full franchise sport then and, and get that away? I I don't know what the answer is with that oh. because I I think keep it simple. I just think keep it simple. Have promotion and relegation um, potentially. Between I, th I think promotion and relegation works, but they need to give. The promoting team time to bed in because, as we've seen, um, Lee got promoted then relegated straight away. Hull KR have got promoted and then they've they've had a tough start to the season. It's, it's so it's so hard to plan for promotion in rugby league to Super League when uh, they're playing in the championship. But how do you, do, you can't the give them a head start? So how, what do you mean? Um, I don't know. 
but I, th- I think that you need more time to bed in to competitive competitive <laughs> balancing goes back to that competitive balance John Ray. let's give them a 10 point start just to make everything equal no no sport is a competition let the winners win let the losers lose then you it's might easy have... for Saints to say because no, they're no, winning and no, we're no, losing. Then you yeah, might as well no, say, well, you finish top I, of the league know, and you win I, the, and you win I the title. That. I do understand that. What I'm saying is sport is a competition. This obsession with everything being fair and equal, for me, is madness. I don't believe it makes anybody more interested in sport. No, but, you, but by that standard, you might as well say, if you finish top of the league after X amount of games, then you then you win the league. You know, you know, the I league, think, yeah, massively. So, so forget the you playoffs should... and forget relegation, forget the drama well, that brings in all this global cash. What's the playoffs? What's the playoffs? Yeah, but it's but it's it, not competition. But, fa- but people it's, love to watch it. The playoffs is money, isn't it? But people love to watch it. Yeah, people love to watch it's it. drama. I think the playoffs and yeah. grand final work in our game. No, they do work. They do work, but it's, oh, okay. it's commercial. Like, John decision. said, the team who finishes top give them the give them the title. No, I mm. think the team that finishes top, pure in a pure competition sense, will is what yeah. I'm saying. Are the winners? Okay. In a pure competition sense, the competition being defined as a season. At the end of it, they've got the most points. They're the winners. Yeah. But we've created complexity to it, haven't we? That's what we've done. And I think it's right. I think Mark's right. I think the playoffs work. The grand final works. It's brilliant. I love it. It used to be that the Challenge Cup was the competition that showed best the team that could prepare to win a one-off game away from a league. And the team became cup kings because they had a knack of winning playoff games. Well, in the modern Super League era, Leeds have almost filled that void mm. because they've become a team. They've won it from fifth, haven't they? They can win games, you know, when, but through the course of the season, have they been the best? Probably not, but they're now to win games at a certain time of the year. So the Cup and, and the League have sort of merged in the playoffs, haven't they? And probably to the detriment of the Challenge Cup as well. Let's throw some questions at you. Um, on the scale of one to ten, this one from Matt, he says one being Will Perry and ten being Sean O'Loughlin. Uh, what score would Mark and John give themselves as loose forwards? Mm. I think you'd be better than a one, Will. I mean, what's one? No, it'd be zero, wouldn't it? Let, one like... let Matt have his day. Uh, okay. I think John would be a nine. I'd be like a seven and a half, maybe. Stephen Watson. Uh, oh, what do you think, then? Well, think Go on, then. Give me a nine equal. if you want. We're all equals. <laughs> Stephen Watson says, 11. if Toronto exactly. are in Super League next year, who can you see being their biggest new signing? Brilliant podcast, by the way. Thanks, Thanks Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. John Wilkins. Gaz O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> Um, John Wilkin <laughs> sorry I missed that John Wilkin oh exclusive exclusive uh, no. oh you said you'd ditch Saints I didn't came in for years couldn't afford would you would you go to Toronto next season he's got a coffee shop half a coffee shop to run so no he wouldn't no you wouldn't I do like Canadia though <laughs> so do I big fan of Canadia would you go to Toronto next season no I'm joking I, who, would, who would Toronto sign if they could well they'd probably if try and was, sign you with if, if they was... know you're out of contract and you want to play again another season would you go <laughs> no. to Toronto next season um, well what are you doing are you doing that probing questions I want to know you doing like um, tell me. Andrew Marr you're not Andrew Marr <laughs> Paxman <laughs> Pax, yeah. Paxman go on, Andrew Marr no. definitely not. come on would, what, you, go to, would you go to Toronto next you season you remind me of Andrew Marr <laughs> <laughs> so that's a maybe no it's a definite no so we can, we can tell that no, it's a definite no. Definitely. Mark's, Mark's told me I can't go. He's not allowed. Okay. You'd be playing Manchester anyway, wouldn't you? And then just popping over to Canada. You would. Um, Paul Swift, who was our winner last week. Well, Swaffer. Swaffer. Congratulations, Paul Swift. You won uh, lunch for Rigi Bianchi. Has anybody um, been for lunch? What do I need to claim my lunch? He's, he's done that now. So yeah. straight away, Nick Bianchi. Look at that. Great PR from Nick Bianchi, who obviously works at Rigi Bianchi with a surname like that. says, many congratulations, Paul. Please kindly DM me your email addresses and contact details. Many thanks, Nick. Um, this one from Sean Hind, who says... Voted for you guys, 
you make my run so much easier. And he's put us forward to win the British Podcast of the Year Award. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> That's one vote. That's yes. one vote. We get Carol, Carol, Carol and Sue will vote as well. Sue will vote. Um, okay, uh, Zach says, just finished up watching the Catalan versus Wigan game. And honestly, the worst refereeing in Super League this season. So, so blatant decisions flowing in certain teams' favour. Disgraceful performance from the man in the middle. I, I didn't see this game, but I did see the forward pass try in the Saints Hull match, and it was, it must have been about four meters forward that pass. And I, 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 I have an opinion on this. I think that linesmen should have more of a say in the game and have the balls to get the flag up and and, and get involved rather than just um, come running on when they might have seen like <laughs> a, a slightly high tackle. Touch judges always come on on TV games. Though. There's a couple of touch judges who just come on when it's a TV game. It's a TV Name game them. they've come on. Name them. No. Shame them. They, I think you're right. What do touch judges do in rugby league? Well, they run on when there's a slightly high tackle and then it's... But the, the impact on the match is is, is tiny. But then a, a, a stupidly forward pass like in that match, which could have had a very big bearing on the match, they don't They don't seem to I, want to, I don't to, like, to come on. I don't like the hierarchy in the referees. So if you're a referee, you're the best referee. If you're the touch judges, you aspire to be a referee or you're never going to be good enough to be a referee. Well, everyone should just do the same job. Well, I just think they should be the officials. Yeah. Just wherever you are, you are. Well, on that subject, Kevin Archer says, each week we're shaking our head at refereeing decisions and the lack of input from linesmen. Are linesmen obsolete and do we need to follow the NRL and have two on-field officials to take the game forward? I just think linesmen should be of referee standard. Shouldn't I think the linesmen should be referees. I think we need more referees. I think we need more talent in the referees. And I think some, they do a great job, don't they? Yeah, they but do a good job. More I, don't, I don't like bagging the referees because no, no, they we, do graph, but I think... Yeah, we just need more of them. Yeah. Uh, Captain Jibbers has been back in Jibbers. touch. Jibbers, Jibbers is, is my favourite. Has he claimed favorite. his PKV drive? No, Jibbers. no. Jibbers. Too far for you, Jibbers. <laughs> uh, why don't you just keep him one of Jibbers? Is he, captain, is he captain of a team he's or a captain of industry. Or a ship. His um, what do you call it? Avatar is a is, is a picture of a disgruntled 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 um, so sh- sort of ship captain with a like Nelson's hat and a mm. and, and an eye patch. Check a it out, pirate. Check it out. <laughs> He's a pirate. Captain Jibbers. <laughs> captain <laughs> Jibbers. Uh, he says, "Why don't we see any or many Super League players sponsored by major sports brands such as Nike and Adidas? Is the image of rugby league that's uh, stopping major brands being associated with the sport?" Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because not is. because we don't play in front of a big enough audience, and kids don't aspire to be like Mark Flanagan and John Wilkin and want to buy their boots. I don't think. And maybe look, we, maybe we don't embrace. It's a bit of a race to the bottom in rugby league, isn't it? People who put their head up and do stuff get shot down. Brand Haskell, mm. you know, in rugby league doesn't really exist, does yeah. it? There's a handful of players who maybe buy into it, but it doesn't. Sorry, I've just seen that's probably the, my favourite question so far. Uh, Mark, oh, wow, Mark Hogan, <laughs> don't let me that, don't let me influence your decision on choosing who wins lunch. I think you already have. Yeah. However, uh, Mark says, "What's the weirdest thing you've seen in a teammate's house?" Example: dot 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 dot. One of my mates' mums collects large pot animals and keeps the cellophane on her lampshades like a fucking horror scene. <laughs> Is that, you can't ask a question and then completely have the best answer ever. That's not fair. Um, there's a really weird thing in this basement. Has anybody okay. been to toilet in JB's basement? 
JB uh, of egg chase affair. Yeah, I can never find the light. I've yeah. never seen what's in there. There's, a, there's, never a, the light there's a fork on the side, <laughs> and the fork on the side has just had one of the prongs bent down. <laughs> but just have a look at it. It's weird. Okay. Um, I want to know what the fork's been used for. What You've the fork? You've used the fork for something. Forking out. Forking out. Explain. <laughs> Mark, you think you've just been forking around in there, haven't you? Oh, oh, oh the fork. Speed. Uh, Rob, did we get to answer what the weirdest yeah. thing was? Well, I, I, I thought you were trying to. That was your answer, wasn't it? I don't get invited round to many of my teammates' houses. So. <laughs> got drunk, fell asleep on one of our directors' couches like years KM. ago at a party. Yes, great bloke, great bloke, great good, bloke, good yeah. one of our directors, great bloke. Yeah. And he had uh, two wooden uh, rhinos uh, mid. They weren't white northern male rhinos. Were they? <laughs> They're gone <laughs> mid mid fornication. Um, on his mantelpiece, which was quite unusual. Marwan Kukash on his front door, no joke, has got the goatee. He's got the Salford mascot. The goatee <laughs> off the Salford mascot stuck on his front door. Shut up, that's not Why true. That cannot be true. Honestly. Who told you that? How do you know, do you know that? Honestly, Google, Google Earth. Google it. it. Google, Google Earth, Earth it. it. If you go past Google, Google Earth it. That's a, that's a great way to prove it, isn't it? He's got a giant um, no, goatee. In fact, come on, you've both been to each other's house, so what's the weirdest thing you've seen in Mark's house, the weirdest thing you've seen in John's house? Apart um, from... Oh, uh, Mark, well, Mark was, is his thickening... Anti, anti hair loss shampoo. Yeah, that was it. That was yesterday. it. Didn't work. No. Uh, <laughs> Fails. the weird? It was in the bin. He's actually Fault. started last <laughs> bit on Mark's boldness this week, but he's actually started using the caffeine shampoo now. I was like, Mark, you had, had to it start is, 30 I'm looking ago. thick, isn't I it? I wouldn't say this if I didn't mean... Like, I, it's looking it thick pains growing me it to say it. It looks thicker. Because he's grown it. He hasn't cut it for the last Yeah, and he's got headphones covering it. Mark, can you think of anything in John's house that's pretty pretty weird? Um, I can't think of anything, no. In which case, we'll move on. Rob Soden says, um, question for the podcast. Does it make a win mean more when fans battle the length of the M62 to see a victory? <laughs> it does indeed, especially... Mark's just said no. No, I didn't. <laughs> especially <laughs> ones that come all the way from rural East Yorkshire. Do you think about that at all? Do you care? Yes. Yeah, I think it's great when you're yeah. playing away a game and you see your fans there, and especially on a Friday night when you're playing Hull FC away and there's there's a couple of thousand travelling fans. It's 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 a great little pick-me-up. Yeah, especially, you know, with family doing it every weekend. You know, that's that's a big ask. We've got a, a Glaswegian fan called Peter Elder at Saints who drives down from Glasgow to watch rugby. That's just. I remember him. Yeah, he's a top bloke. Mad madness, but but exceptional, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Neil McKeown, if there's one player you could throw, we get a lot of these, don't we? I quite, quite like the aggressive nature of some of the texts and tweets, but they're becoming quite repetitive. <laughs> However, Neil McKeown says, if there was one player you could throat punch with no repercussions, who would it be? <laughs> Got to be for me, Ryan Atkins for celebrating the tries, blatantly not scored. Kyle Amor, he just got one of those faces. Yeah. And a small cock and a little todger. Yeah. Um, Love you really, Kyle. Um, yeah, yeah, Ryan Atkins. <laughs> really? Yeah. You got some beef with him? No, not at all. You just you just threatened to throat punch him? No, do we, no. Yeah, just yeah. You're calling him out. I'm not calling him out. He's much handier. So you haven't got a serious answer. Jake Connor's the the biggest knock oh, in the game. Yeah. Now. yeah, but I had a chat with him after our game. Good lad. Well, is he? Yeah, I know I, he does it to wind people. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He, he was trying to wind he, people. He up. looks a bit like this. He reminds me of the sort of Joey Barton of rugby league. Is that about accurate? Or, you know, he's. he's got I, I know what his game is, but I can just see him infuriating every player he plays against. I could look at his head all day as well. If you've actually been close to him, he's got an unusual head. Why? Don't know. It looks like if you ever look through, he actually looks like he's looking into the back of a spoon. 
Do you know, it's a bit like things are being sort of sucked. Maybe a small gravitational pull about eight inches in front of his face. He's just pulling everything forward. That's the one thing that Frankie Boyle said that actually got him knocked off the BBC after all the outrageous comments that he made across... Who did he say it about? Rebecca Adlington, John's mate. And that got him sacked from the BBC. Jake Connor is just a young lad being competitive. Yeah, he just likes winding people up. Look, he's annoying. And I think... No, he's he's just trying... That's how he is. He's He's you... 12 years ago, no, isn't he? No, no, he's, he's not. He's he's, he's, he's better at it than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not throat-punching him, we're throat-punching Atkins, are we? Yeah. yeah. Um, ben says, both of these can be extended to James to cover a bit of Union too. He's gone, unfortunately, so uh, yeah, sorry about that, Ben. Um, two questions. He says, one, which four other current Super League players would you choose to play in a five-a-side football team? And two, which current Super League player is punching well above his weight in terms of the hotness of their partner? Apart from Mark. Mark Flanagan's in both of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a good soccer player. He Charles at City, yeah. so... Yeah. 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 Eight, to for 18 years ago, but still. Could have been there. What, football players, five aside? Yeah, well, let's focus on question two. Which current Super League player is punching well above his weight in terms of hotness of their partner? Don't know. There's a, one of the <laughs> um, on. Evans brothers who plays at Warrington's got really hotnesses, I think. Not that I've checked. Which one? The one looks like Neil Kinnock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he has got an answer there. The silent assassin. Which one's the one that looks like Neil? <laughs> the winger. No, it's not the winger. It's the other one. It's the front <laughs> Um That's a good answer. Lee Whitnell says, in honour to in honour of Mark's position switch on Saturday, we should applaud that actually, Mark. What, 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 what position did I play? Well, you didn't well. only play. You played half back in the grand final, but I think you played hooker, didn't you, on Saturday? I did a half an hour at hooker. Just I didn't know yeah. that. Well done. Um, just because I'm um, flexible. What's the most important skill of a talented hooker? Fast hands or good going both ways? <laughs> Do you ever see Ray French's commentary about a hooker? No. no. Where he got his words, he fumbled. Uh, as it, David McKenzie <laughs> ran out of dummy half for witness, yeah. picks the ball up, and 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 Ray French was trying to say, he, he's uh, he's he's a he's a fast hooker, but he uh, he said he's a fast fucker hooker 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 <laughs> live on the BBC. He's a fast fucker hooker. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, good passing. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> fast hands. Good passing. Steven Probably best of us. James Roby about that, aren't we? Exactly. No, Mark's, Mark's very adaptable. Play any position, that lad. Okay. Thanks, um, Cheers, mate. <laughs> so, I've got to ask you here, Mark, purely because it's here. I mean, I could just skip past it, but Captain Jivers has been back in touch. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, if, if my first question is a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> he really wants a lunch for four. <laughs> He's already won lunch for four at PKB. He hasn't claimed it. Um, here's a different one. Thanks, Jibbers. Why... Do you guys wind up Mark Flanagan about the crop circle on his head? Mark. <laughs> why, why do you give a shit about crop no, He says, Mark, if you, if you had to wind up John, what would you pick about him? Oh. Is John easily wound up? I don't think either of us are pretty, no. pretty easily well. wound up. John just says, you are, to whatever I say. So if I say, <laughs> you've got a belly like a melted candle, he'll just say, you are. <laughs> you are. You've got a big mole on your face. You are. You have. So that's it. The uh, why do you give basics. me why do you give me so much grief about my hair? I don't. Will Will does. Go on, Will. Go on. T- talk Will, us through it. Will, we've been over there. No, no. Will, t- why, Will, why do you get such a kick off? Will gets. There's a bit of friction between you and Will because do you know why? Because yes. you you're a better looking man than Will, but now he thinks there's a chink in your armour, so he's coming at you. I think he's jealous because nobody loves True. him. He's coming at you. Correct, but. You two just need to settle down, just be comfortable. Just have settle a, down together. Just have a naked wrestle. That settled. That would be nice. <laughs> I'd prefer to see that. I'd settle down with you, Mark. 
Mm. No, I'm, I'm good, thanks. Apart from what about Chloe Maidley? Soon to be Haskell. Oh, I fucking love Chloe Maidley. <laughs> Jonathan Duncan, uh, of the players you've played with, who's had the strangest pre-match routine ritual? Johnny Looking Lomax. forward to seeing Saints in Toronto one day soon. Probably, and probably John Wilkin playing for Toronto against his old club. You didn't put that a bit. I just added that. <laughs> I, I gathered because you stopped looking at your iPad. Go on. <laughs> Johnny Lomax is pretty weird before a match, isn't he? Go on. What does he do? John. He does all sorts. What he speaks to his do? sister who's dressed up as the mascot. <laughs> that would be weird. Just go through his tip sheet with his sister who's dressed as a dog. He ties and unties his shoes. <laughs> doesn't he? Oh, he does, He yeah, ties and unties weird. his shoes. Yeah, about six times, and then he taps his boots against the wall for like 20 minutes. It's weird. Oh, he ties his boots really, really tight yeah. and stops all circulation to his feet. And then he takes them off, unties them, them. them. And then he does it again. That is weird. Um, Jamie Foster, who used to play. Oh, used, for I used to play. I remember him vaguely. Yeah, yeah he was a winger. Played at St Helens. I think he's played at Workington now. He had uh, an addiction to labels in clothes, mm-hmm. so he would cut out your labels of in your clothes after training, without telling you. Has he been sent to the priory? So he would cut the label out and then he'd fold it into a little roll and rub the label on his top lip. And he had a T-shirt which he stitched all of the labels he'd collected in the changing room. He stitched them to the inside of the T-shirt and slept in it. And didn't he have an invisible friend? Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Mr. Smith or something. Mr. Wood. Mr. Wood. Yeah, he was I, I'm trying to edit these. Chap. There's so many questions, and I know we've just been rattling on. We're getting very popular, aren't we? We are, but uh, you know, I should yeah. go. I should should at least ask them because um, you know people have taken their time to do yeah. them. So yeah. we're going to keep going through them. Um, Mark's looking at his watch. So you got somewhere else to be. Home with my wife. Right, have you? Okay. Well, yeah, I'd like to be there as well, but we can't all be. We can't. Uh, yeah. Stu says, uh, "Be honest. Is there a tiny part of you that secretly hoped you go out of the Challenge Cup early so that you can have a summer holiday?" Like I've got a ti- I've got a tiny part of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a silver lining after you lose, isn't it? No. 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 Stick no, no uh, Phil Kaplan says, "Did you know you've been uh, reviewed in the new issue of Forty Twenty magazine out this week?" <laughs> we do I did, now, I, Phil. I did, I did yeah, not. You did because you did it, didn't you? Did oh. an interview for it with Excellent. Steve Mascord. Um, Dan says, uh, "Has there ever been a time at St Helens training where someone, in brackets, let's say Lee Gilmore, for instance, <laughs> has been chased around the training park <laughs> under accusation of barging into a woman <laughs> on his birthday night out?" <laughs> John, oh, maybe you well. can. Uh, oh God, Lee Gilmore when he was drunk, like he he just. Like blackout, say for like six hours, and not really. It but he just get up to all sorts. And he, I remember one time he sort of thought he was going into the men's toilets, went into the women's toilets. Loads of women came out and was just making a big scene, like hitting him and stuff. And uh, anyway, the lads used to wind him up about what had happened. And I think Kieran Cunningham, at the time, thought it'd be funny to arrange one of his mates to come to training with a a cap, tough gun and run out of the bushes mid-training, <laughs> shouting, where's that Gilmore? He bumped it. And we'd all been winding Lee Gilmore up about that he'd been sort of bouncing into people on this night out and everybody mm-hmm. was mad at him and women were upset and stuff. Anyway, so he ran, fired a few shots out. It was a bloody realistic gun. And uh, obviously we were all in on it, but Gilly wasn't and Gilly ran, <laughs> sprinted. Didn't Leon Sprinted. as well, though? Yeah, Leon, Leon Price didn't know either, but Leon ran and hurtled over a wall. <laughs> there was a genuine <laughs> was attack. He was gone. <laughs> Leon was gone. And uh, the worst thing was Matt, Matt Gidley, who was like Aussie superstar at the time, he, he was in on it. And how Lee Gilmore did not know that it was a wind-up, because uh, 
as the guy ran out the bushes, Matt Gidley looked over, as you just wouldn't look at the bushes during training, went, oh my God, what is this? There is a man coming out of the bush. He appears to have a gun. It was like so shit. It was terrible. Anyway, fired a few shots and it was just genius. P. Macca, one hooker spot, Cunningham or Roby and why? I've I've only played with Rob, so I think you're a better, better off answering this one. They're both, both really different, but... Um, you take Robes' bottom half and then Kez's upper half. That would be so weird to look at, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, Can but, you imagine? But, you know, like Rob, Jack, Robes Jack, is like Jack an energizer bunny. Benjamin Button's legs. <laughs> <laughs> Has Benjamin Button got Ricky's? <laughs> the bandiest legs ever, aren't they? Couldn't stop a pig in a ginnel. Um, 1985 Muggleton fan. Uh, why isn't there more ex-professionals involved in the game once they retire? Too busy building, like digging holes in the ground for you. <laughs> you can't have your foundations done and expect the players to contribute. Um, Kevin, each week we're shaking our heads at refereeing decisions and the lack of input from linesmen. Oh, I've had that one already, and I've had Come that well, one already, well. and I'm just trying to filter Come these. On, well. Some of them. Let's see if Let we've got go. another one that we haven't. Oh, no, that's it. Uh, so, uh, uh, right, I've got my favourite. Uh, what about yours? Who's going to win who, Sunday lunch slash any day of the week lunch at Riggy Bianchi this week? Slash any day of the week lunch <laughs> slash breakfast. What about breakfast? Can we go for slash breakfast? Slash fine wine. Can you just and... go through them again? And we'll just... No, we're not. <laughs> Is that a joke you do every week? We can't we'll do forget. that. No, I think the weirdest thing you found in a teammate's house. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's definitely because we were we're unanimous. That's, on that's that. the kind of line of questioning I think we'd like to explore more. Yeah. Are not we all in who's... agreement with that? Mark? Yes. Okay. Well, who, what was he called? Kevin Archer. Kevin Archer. Who's he support? What does um, he look like? He's got a moustache. The last guy looks, he looks like, like a good guy. He, he looks like a good guy. He looks like a good guy. Nice guy, but he's got a moustache. He actually but, has got a moustache. Uh, where's he from? Who does he support? Um, do, do we know? Let's say, hold on a second there. One sec. Hold Leeds the line fan. caller. He's a Leeds fan. Let's just get in there. Kevin Kev, Archer. I think he's a witness. Where are you? Here we are. Let's he's get a Leeds on him. Fan. Uh, Archer, 1978. I assume that's the year he was born. You light up my senses like a gallon of green oh, oils, like a command from Gino's, like a good sniff of glue, like a night out in Martin's, like a split fish. And curry. And curry. St. Helens Merseyside. Also retweeted our episode 10 is out now. Download for podcast. Yeah. Seems like a great lad. Lovely. It seems uh, like a great lad. That's yeah. it. Yeah. He's a great lad. Looks like a great lad. Great Why? Lad. Just, uh, I don't know, he's dressed as a nice captain. Moustache. He's called Jibbers. Kevin Archer, congratulations. <laughs> Room 101, what's going in this week? John Wilkin. Oh, gosh. Um, structural, same. Same structural change, <laughs> always the same. The salary cap, you think? <laughs> yeah, the salary cap and structural change. <laughs> Mark got there just before you. Yeah. Mic drop. Um, We're out. So you're gonna put Nigel Woods trousers in? No, I'm not putting any trousers in. <laughs> I might put your trousers in, uh, just because I want to see you without trousers on. The in fact, died. Will, can you take your trousers off live? Yeah. No, don't do it. That's it for episode 11 of Whippets and Flat Caps. He's un- my belt. unbuckling his belt. Uh, Download the podcast from iTunes, zipper. Podbean, or your podcast. <laughs> you can hear the zipper. You can hear the I zipper. I really hope that comes back. <laughs> uh, also, leave us a review and follow us on Twitter. It's at WhippetsRL. Oh. Oh, oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, you we need, have, you we actually need... have your name tattooed on your ass. Good night. <laughs> we need to discuss that next week. <laughs> <laughs>